0: Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me as always is my good friend in crime here, Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, I am gonna ask you how you're doing today.
1: I am doing very well. I've got my uh, new skincare going on today to help me with my uh, sleep deprivation, so I hope I look as good as I feel.
0: You have a radiating glow to you, my friend, so (laughs) (laughs) let's let's embrace that warmth and in the spirit of warmthness. Uh, Who is our guest today?
1: Well, we have Mark Perot and he's the security services manager at a company called Compugen. This is a very smart, but very cool, uh, very well-spoken individual. And I'm so looking forward to getting into the mix with, with some heated questions for Mark today.
0: It's going to be really fascinating. You know, and I know he's waiting for us. He's uh, coming to us live from Winnipeg. So we will take a pause here and we'll bring Mark on shortly. Let's,
1: let's do it. Mark Perot from Friendly Manitoba, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Awesome. So we want to get to know you really quickly here first, and then I've got some red-hot questions to uh, hit you with out of the gate here. Um, so you're with Compugen, you're in cybersecurity, you've been in IT. What has been your career journey so far?
2: Um, yeah, so actually it's, it's kind of odd. I was uh, I graduated out of college as a gas turbine mechanic, so I'm I'm actually... Licensed to work on jet engines, believe it or not. But um, through the beginning of my career, I worked for an aerospace company, and I started to uh, show some of my my personal IT skills uh, to some of the people that work there, and uh, it eventually transitioned into a role uh, within IT. Um, so just you know, desktop level and that kind of thing, and then eventually it ended up um, growing into um, you know more of the server space and network space. Uh, So primarily, my career has been around uh, network and firewall. Um, I was a collaboration specialist and and voice architect for quite a while. And then as that seemed to kind of be going away in the industry, I I started to focus more of my efforts in uh, learning more about cybersecurity. Uh, So I I ended up challenging the CISSP. Uh, in about a three month time timeframe uh, managed to pass on the first go, which was crazy. I still can't believe that that was possible. But, um, but yeah, I just uh, I always had kind of a passion for security and uh, just continued down that path. And I just really I really appreciate and, and enjoy working with customers to help them better strengthen their cybersecurity. And if there's any time that they need it, it's now there's, you know, as everybody in the cybersecurity world knows, um, you know, things like ransomware and malware and these uh supply chain related attacks are are becoming more and more prevalent and and uh organizations need cybersecurity support more than ever.
1: Well, I feel like we're in the presence of greatness here. Uh I feel like your your intellect is a few levels above mine to be able to challenge that uh exam in 3 months. Um and that's okay. I'm comfortable with that. That is that is uh that is a big congratulations to you. So, my, you. my my next question then is: Compugen is the company that you're with. Um, what does what does Compugen offer the world?
2: So, Compugen is uh, I guess classified as a value-added reseller. Uh, yes. where We partner with all of the all the major um, you know IT um, OEMs out there: Cisco, Microsoft, VMware. Uh, right. Trend Micro, you know, basically if you name any of the top tier ones, we're, we're typically a reseller. Uh, but on top of that, where we really um, where we really bring a lot of value is our people. So we have a very strong bench uh, across from technical services to managed services and into professional services and consulting. Uh, so we really help uh, customers, you know, achieve whatever their goals are from from the infrastructure side, managing their environments, uh, and then on top of that, you know. Um, we're really trying hard to uh, to provide a lot of value on the uh, security consulting front now. And that's a piece that's a bit newer and that I'm developing within the organization, but we've been moving strong on it in the last uh, 12 to 18 months or so.
1: It sounds pretty robust. And obviously with all of that going on, there's a great need for cybersecurity. So now I wanna get into my uh, big question that I've been uh, sitting on here. Um, I am wondering what your take on the ROI of cybersecurity is for your clients and for really any, any organization that's out there. Why is cybersecurity important? Why does cybersecurity matter? And I really, my mind goes to the, the, the end, right? Start with the end in mind, and I think about nasty cyber attacks and cyber incidents. What are your thoughts on right. that?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know based on based on my experience with uh, dealing with different cyber incidents for customers, um, the, 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 I guess the areas that you see the biggest harm um, and and uh, I guess where the um, where the attacks really hit home for the organizations are in areas such as um, you know loss of productivity, that can be for, for a manufacturing type of organization that can be in the millions of dollars by the hour right so um, there's a huge amount of loss of revenue in that perspective um, the amount of loss of reputation in some cases um, you know if you look at some of the different industries in finance or in in um, healthcare um, you can you can sustain some pretty um some pretty bad uh, press if uh, if you've been hacked or if data has been leaked um, so being able to protect those assets um, is, is you know very crucial to these organizations and um, and really um, you know having a good cyber security strategy and investing investing your money in in the right areas based on the sensitivity of data and your assets is really key and that's where we really try to help to help our customers you know better understand, what the value is of their assets and of their data. Um, because overall, um, you know, if you're not protecting that and that's your kind of key, um, I guess your, your key piece to your customers, um, then, then you're, you're in a lot of trouble, right? So it really, it's about protecting your assets at the end of the day. And, and that return on investment, I mean, I can tell you, I've seen some cyber attacks that recovery has gone in the excess of two to three months to get the entire environment back up and running. Uh, so for any organization, that's that's crippling, and um, you know, and that costs a lot of money. If you have to get a, a company engaged on that, it can be in the in almost in the millions of dollars sometimes, depending on how large your environment is.
0: I'm almost certain we've never had anyone who was qualified to work on a jet engine on the show before. So <laughs> you've, you've earned that you've earned that uh, distinction as well. Um, uh, I, I'd love to get your your opinion here. I mean, if you take just your average smaller or sized organization, uh, in 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 Canada, what are some basic, let's just call them, best practices or basic uh, cyber hygiene that these organizations uh, organizations should, should focus on in terms of at least starting to build off a uh, strong security foundation?
2: For sure, um, you know some of the areas that are pretty basic, uh, but that go a long way, are as simple as you know a next generation firewall uh, in terms of boundary protection. Um, a, a solid endpoint detection response uh, software that um, you know is able to uh, see kind of you know uh, differences in, in behavior of systems on top of detecting malware and and having um, you know a reasonable amount of updated signatures and that type of thing. Uh, those two areas go a long way. Uh, the other one that that to me is just it's crucial is security awareness training um, and and things like phishing campaigns. Um, you know. We we hate as as uh, people to say in cybersecurity that people are the weakest link. It's unfortunate, but it's true. And and really empowering your people and training them on on what uh, to look for in terms of malicious activity or emails or anything like that, uh, clicking on links, you know, all of that stuff. If there if you can teach your people to identify those potential threats ahead of time um you're you're way way better off and and you know so if, as far as i'm concerned that's one of the organizational type of controls i guess i would call it that um that goes a long way you know it's not technical it's all about training and learning
0: and, and that's r- really great uh, insight mark and in terms of what you're seeing again at the maybe at the smb side of things when it comes to investing in cybersecurity are you seeing it being more reactive? Like our uh, small mid-sized organizations only investing in security after there's been a data breach or ransomware or some sort of security incident, or, you know, is there still a large faction which is doing so pro- proactively? I'm curious to, to what you're seeing.
2: There's still, um, there's still the idea out there from a lot of organizations that, um, you know, they figure to themselves, we're not a target. Why are we a target? What do, what do we present to malicious actors? that would make us a target. And um, that mentality is slowly starting to go away. Uh, but what we're seeing in the SMB space is typically, they either have the attitude where again, they think that they're not a threat. Um, the other one is that if another organization in their industry has been hit, that's when the light bulb goes off and they start thinking about, okay, maybe we are potentially um, you know a target. So. From that perspective, I think there's a little bit of proactiveness, um, you know. So things like uh, endpoint detection and response, you know, most organizations are pretty good with that. Next gen firewall, same thing. Uh, but where we tend to see some of the uh, some of the weaknesses is still in areas as simple as passwords and uh, multi factor authentication aren't being applied, especially on cloud and SaaS based applications or on VPN. So like we always say, you know, the, the keys to your kingdom are basically easily accessible from those types of external facing uh, services. So you want to have two layers of, of um, you know, authentication on there. So using multi-factor authentication is huge. Um, so basically, yeah, those are those are kind of some of the areas where um, you know, organizations are, are putting a little bit of proactive activity into there. Where we're seeing less of that is, uh, is definitely on the incident response side and the preparedness um it's it's an area where i think a lot of organizations don't even know that that exists you know if they're not a strong it-led organization um they don't really see the value until you explain that there's you know a significant amount of time lost without having a plan in place when when you get hit with ransomware or something
1: so so mark can you talk about you know what happens when an organization isn't prepared with an inc- a tested incident response plan. I know that you've had experience with companies that have gone through the kind of the worst case scenarios. Can you without mentioning names or, or industries if you don't want to take us through one or two of those scenarios?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've been involved in some actually within the last month even and uh, the first thing is is um, you know they, they have that thought of like I can't believe this happened to us. So there's a lot of uh, just panic at the beginning. Uh, you know, where they where they don't know what to do at all, they, they reach out to their partners, such as Compugen, to just say, we're in over our heads, we have no idea where to even start. Um, so oftentimes, what happens is you end up in this almost like a cycle of, um, you know, not, uh, I guess, from the perspective of not being prepared, they're, they're not sure what to do, right. So um, they'll ask us, for example, um, well, what what do we do from this point? And so, you know, there's a laundry list of things to do, but having things in place like, um, you know, an insurance policy is is kind of uh, a mandatory thing these days, but uh, having a, a third party security organization that's capable of working through the incident response process like ID and containment and eradication and recovery is really critical because if you don't have that already, if you're trying to get one of those companies engaged when you're getting hit, there's a good chance that they may not be ready to jump on it right away because there's so many of these activities going on right now that we've seen, um, you know, even larger uh, IR uh, organizations say, you know, we're tapped out, we can't help. Uh, it'll be a day or two. So really, at the end of the day, what they're losing out on is several days of of trying to line up resources, trying to line up companies, understanding their in uh, their incident response, uh, or sorry, their insur- insurance plan. Uh, for for what they're able to cover and who can be engaged. you know there's so many different aspects that if you're not in a full understanding of what your process is, what your insurance policy looks like, you're you're just running on a hamster wheel for for several days uh, before you actually start dealing with the problem itself.
1: so the so the moral of the story really is to have something in place uh, before something happens get your contracts negotiated in advance, get your insurance ready, get your incident uh, response, um, third-party provider in place, and know Mm -hmm. know who's going to do what in the event of uh, a data breach or uh, a nasty cyber attack.
2: Absolutely. And then that's one of the things that we uh, we developed at Compugen within our organization is an incident response workshop where we work with customers, um, you know, basically that are in the SMB space because they're typically the ones that Um, don't have this preparedness. And we help them uh, understand what the process looks like, what the different pieces are that are required. Like a lot of companies don't realize that you need to get legal and marketing heavily involved in an incident response because they're responsible for communication as well as data protection and liability, right? So it's really important that they are involved and that you understand what what their position is in that response, but also that they understand what their role is as well.
1: Sorry, uh, I'm just, I'll just a, ask a quick question. <laughs> um, do, do you find that with your, with your clients or with you know, companies that you have, uh, have seen and have experienced in general, that they're thinking that their IT department or perhaps their IT managed service provider being IT uh, have got cybersecurity covered? Um, really, it's kind of their responsibility. And so they're kind of handling that. Is that, is that something that you find uh, has been an issue or are you thinking that people are starting to see the difference between uh, security and, and IT and how they relate to I each th- other?
2: Yeah, I think that that's going away, um, you know, traditionally, uh, system administrators and network administrators were always kind of partially responsible for security. And, you know, they did their best at it. I think that mentality is going away. And and um, organizations are starting to understand that you do need to invest in, you know, at least one cybersecurity person that understands um, process and procedure and policy. Uh, surrounding your organizational security best interests. Um, so it definitely um, is is going in the right direction. I still don't think that um, most, I would say less than 50% of organizations have a clear understanding of that. And, you know, it's very apparent to me when we run some of these workshops and we talk about things like, um, you know, what the kill chain process is and what DR is and what business continuity is. And we ask them, you know, do you have these things in place? And the call just goes silent. And just, so that is always a not a good sign, but that's kind of what, what we see is just that, um, you know, that lack of, um, I guess, resourcing uh, investment in, in their IT departments, so.
1: And are these CEOs or COOs or CFOs that you're talking to, or are they more IT leaders?
2: So typically when, you know, when they're, a little bit less mature, I guess, in their security posture. That's usually um, when we're speaking to you know organizations that are 500 seats and less, uh, and it's usually a director of IT or stuff like that. But but again, a lot of them are are better understanding what the requirements are from a cybersecurity level. So uh, the smaller organizations definitely don't have the same level of maturity, and they're basically thinking, oh yeah, well my server guy or my person that does server workstation network and everything else, he's like our jack of all trades, has us covered from a security perspective. And I would say probably nine times out of 10, uh, you know, there's a lot of gaps there.
0: Uh, Mark, I wanted to just, talk more about cyber insurance you, you, you were mentioning there Van, uh, about how it is a very effective risk management tool you know and that, that's absolutely true um are, are you seeing though organizations that are seeing it or using it as a silver bullet where they think oh you know we don't need to worry about cyber security we'll just get cyber insurance you know that's our Get out of jail card if something happens and then you know they find out that there was an exclusion in there or that because they weren't addressing the uh, the inherent risk that the cyber insurance was null and void um what sort of the mindset what do you see with 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 organizations right now are they using cyber insurance in the right way or many of them still using it as like i said that get out of jail card
2: um, I would say the majority of them are, are using it in, in the right context. They're using it as, you know, potential risk transference um, where necessary. They're not using it as a silver bullet, per se. Um, a lot of them have it knowing that they need it and that they may have to leverage it. Uh, but for the most part, um, you know, we're uh, and we're helping steer organizations in the right area. Uh, but I think they mo- the majority of them know that the insurance is only going to cover you know, the costs and stuff like that, it's not going to guarantee recovery is going to happen immediately kind of thing, right? So I think that um, there's a decent understanding out there that, you know, it's helpful, but it's not your end all be all for, uh, for protection or I guess for, for resilience, for example.
0: Uh, I, I only have one more question we'll, I'll swing it back to Christian to to, br- to bring it home. But uh, um, it, going back to, to instant response, um, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned you know, about, about uh, integrating uh, like legal and marketing. How important is it, uh, maybe we can just expand on a bit more, how the instant response plan can't just be under IT, how it maybe needs to even roll up under, under a larger crisis management plan as an example. Um, you know, uh, is that something that organizations are realizing or are they just keeping it sort of within the domain of, of IT?
2: Yeah, so oddly enough, in, in some of the organizations that we've run this workshop with, um, they have actually said to us, we have crisis management for our business processes. We just don't have them for IT. So it's so a lot of them recognize what the what it looks like, what the process is and everything as we work through it. But then uh, they, they I guess they get into better context of what it is for IT as we work through the workshop. So. Um, you know, so I think there's a there's a, a general decent understanding of, of what the um, what what it's used for and what the benefit is. Uh, and then as we work through it from an IT perspective, there's definitely, um, you know, that's where, like I said, there's a lot of gaps that come up in terms of disaster recovery and business continuity and and all of those things. So um, I hope that answered the, the question. OK, <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: So, final question for you, Mark. Uh, when yep. you're looking at all the industries that you deal with, I mean, there's going to be various degrees of size and maturity there. And I hear uh, somebody's dog in the background. I'm going to think that's uh, that's maybe. Yeah. Dominic.
2: Apologies for that. that's No, oh, that's, uh, well, that's that's mine. <laughs> yeah. Must These be are the kind of things we love on the
1: play. show. We we've had um, <laughs> kids coming on the show, and it's it, we just roll with it. That's good. Yeah. Um, but of, of all the industries that you see, um, what would you say is maybe like a, a shining star, or at least comparatively uh, doing doing well uh, in terms of security best practices and maturity? Is there any, is there anyone um, that stands out to you at all?
2: Uh, anyone specifically, like just in the in the different areas of best practice? You mean?
1: Yeah, like how are how are accounting firms doing versus manufacturers versus? Oh, I see. In terms of industry. Services. Yeah, is there one that you think they're they're kind of leading the charge and, and doing a good job?
2: I would say the organizations that we hear the less from, so that would indicate to me that they're likely doing better. Um, is uh, is is financial services for sure? They're they're usually pretty strong in controls. And then the other one is healthcare. Um, you know, there are like not to say that neither of those organizations or types uh, get hit, but but typically I'm seeing a lot less in those industries, whereas I, I think we're seeing a lot more in um, education, in manufacturing. Those are two areas where I think they both were under a, more of an understanding that they were less of a target than say things like financial or, or healthcare. So I think that there's, you know, there's been some degree of, of, um, I guess not, I don't want to say lax on the security preparation side of things, but just maybe not the same level of of um, uh, risk awareness. Um, and and now it's all changing, right? Like we're seeing attackers attack anyone and anybody. And it's all 100% financially driven. Um, you know, if they can squeeze, you know, half a Bitcoin out of a company that uh, has nothing to do with any private data, they'll try, right? They don't really care. They're criminals. Like they have zero agenda to do anything other than get money. So... Um so yeah so really i would say that financial and healthcare are both are both quite um quite good in that respect but uh, but we're still seeing some of the areas in higher ed and manufacturing and and just general um i would say general um retail business as well as targeted pretty pretty much too so
0: yeah, so it's such an amazing conversation. I think it's been a while, Mark, the, since Chris and I have, have uh, gushed over a guest like you. So <laughs> this is this has been an <laughs> absolutely f- fantastic conversation. Uh, open invitation to come back anytime. You know, it, it, it's uh, I can safely say you know this is probably been one of our, our top five uh, uh, conversations. You know, and the uh, and I genuinely appreciate you taking the time to share your wisdom and insights with us today.
2: Thanks. No, I appreciate it. It was great to uh, to be on. It was. Um, really great experience and great questions from, from your perspective. I, I like it.
1: Thank you so much,
0: Mark. Awesome. Thank you. Th- thank you again, Mark. And thank you again for being the first person from Winnipeg and the first jet, engine, <laughs> uh, a, a person to be able to uh, be on our show. So, uh, appreciate your time and that uh, Chris and I will be back momentarily to wrap up today's episode. Uh, that was such an engaging, engaging conversation, Christian. I mean, uh, I honestly could, I think I could have listened to Mark speak for another two and a half hours. Like, he <laughs> is just a, a wealth of knowledge, really engaging speaker. Very curious to what uh, your key takeaway was from his thoughts today.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, he could have gone on and on. I know there was a lot of depth in that well to, to for us to, to pull on. Um, and so it is a shame that we had to end it when we did. But what stands out to me is his experience from an incident response perspective, from walking hand-in-hand with organizations that are, you know, the house is burning around them, they're in the midst of a data breach, a cyber attack, uh, and they just are confused, they don't know what to do, they haven't planned. And so what we can take from that is when the house is burning down is not the time to call a cybersecurity expert or call a digital forensics firm. Although, if you haven't done anything beforehand, yes, it is the time to do that. But a better time would have been, you know, a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. Have an incident response plan and you will know who's doing what and when and why.
0: Yeah, and, and that's um, so, so well said there, Christian. You know, and and uh, for me, I think my, my key takeaway uh, was you know, he was really, I think, Mark did a really great job of talking in about the practice practical and pragmatic steps that small and mid-sized organizations can take. And this isn't rocket science or taking apart a, a jet engine, which Mark is fully qualified to, to, to do. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, uh, so I, I really appreciate him laying that out in, in very clear, very concise steps for, for our uh, our listeners and viewers. And, and so speaking of which, you know, we're, we're always grateful to um, our amazing uh, loyal listeners and the, uh, and viewers, and we want to make sure that we we thank them as well as thank thank Mark for for joining us uh, uh, today. Um, As always, please do check out uh, previous podcasts on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast uh, YouTube page, as well as other podcasts that fly under the Conversations That Matter uh, banner, which can also be found on on YouTube. Uh, But until next time, be well, be safe, and we will catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.